You know our slogan around here is better practice, better life. But we're taking this belief to the next level. And we've recently announced the creation of a new association. It's called the Best Practices Association. Our association celebrates the mindset that is better practice, better life. This mindset celebrates time, healthy living, personal growth, clinical excellence, and impacting the lives of your patients and your team through intentional leadership. In fact, we are the work-life balance experts in dentistry. The BPA will coach independent dental practices like yours to thrive by sharing best practices and operational habits, behaviors, systems, tools, and insight that lead to profitability and sustained growth, and you can still have a life. So if you're a dentist that wants to surround yourself with great thinkers, let us help you create your own version of Better Practice, Better Life. Go to actdental.com forward slash BPA or hit the link in the show notes. Yo, yo, yo. Hey guys, welcome back to the Best Practices Show podcast. I'm so pumped you're here. My name is Kirk Barron and I am going to relentlessly bring you the best information, the best speakers, the best clinicians, best thinkers in dentistry to help you improve your practice and your life. And today is a special episode with three of my greatest heroes in dentistry, Dr. Bill Roberts, Dr. Jim Martin, and Dr. Brian Schroeder. They were recently in Milwaukee for the Global Diagnosis Education Symposium. It was amazing. And in the morning before we started, we covered the story and a lot of things you are going to love hearing from some great thinkers who are passionate about this incredible industry. So make sure you check it out. I know you guys will enjoy it. We'll see you soon. All right, guys. Hey, we're live. Guys, welcome to the Best Practices Show podcast. This is really kind of a special thing for all of us here. Now, it's special for me for a lot of different reasons because I got some of my heroes here. But this is just four guys having coffee on the morning of the Global Diagnosis Education Symposium, which you guys are going to learn about in a second um, from uh, three of my favorite people in all of dentistry. Not only are you guys great friends, but you've uh, become great mentors and you're going to be teaching a lot of people here. And we're in Milwaukee uh, at our... Uh, learning center. And so um, I would love, you know, I, I'm going to say some things, but I would really love Bill for you to introduce every, you, you know, you and I had this little banter going back. You're like, wait, 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 wait. Okay. You get us started. But then Bill, you always had a great way of just kind of bringing us together and getting us started and doing some introductions. But uh, I want you to lay the groundwork. Would you? Yeah, it'd be my pleasure. So it's, it's, it's an honor to be here. And this is a very exciting day for Jim and I, because we conceived this global diagnosis education process or, or platform maybe four years ago, but we never had the oomph to get it going up until the end of the COVID relief um, series of lectures that you created, which changed the world for a lot of us. And at the end of that, um, we said, this is it. This is the time. So we created the global diagnosis education uh, virtual study club. And our first meeting was June 5th, 2020. Wow. So we've been at it now more than two years. And um, we've, we have had so much fun. I, I'm speaking for Jim, and he'll speak for himself. I think this has been uh, among, if not 
the most fun educational experience of my entire career. Yeah. I spent a lot of time doing that sort of thing. And, and this has been the most fun. And the cool part about this is, is it's the first time we're really getting together yeah. live. We've gotten to know this family of, of uh, family members, essentially dentists from all over the world that are members of our study club. And we've gotten to know them and almost intimately, but over a Zoom platform. Yeah. And this is the first time we're going to get to be able to hug them and, and, and look eye to eye in person and see them as a human rather than a person across on Zoom. So that's very, so awesome. very exciting weekend for us. That is awesome. Awesome. We've got our coffee coming in. This is so great. So cool, cool, cool. Jim, I'd love for you to just chat, kind of uh, introduce yourself and a little bit about um, how you got involved with Global Diagnosis and what we're going to be doing today. Thanks. Thanks for having us here. Excuse me. <clears throat> well, as Bill said, you know, this started years ago over a couple of margaritas, yes, I think. It did. Fact. <laughs> you know, and all the best ideas yes. happen over alcohol, don't yeah, they? Yeah, no question. Yes. And, and wine or whatever. But uh, <laughs> it turned out well. And we sat, had the conversation. I always uh, had been teaching global diagnosis at other places, um, marginally, not as well as he does it. But um, I always loved the concept because it, was, it simplified the complex. And, you know, great thinkers do that. They, they simplify the complex. And for dentists, I saw them struggling with how to put things together and how to organize their thought process in dentistry. I said, this has got to be, we got we to take this out somehow and got to do something different. What about if we took it online? And like you said, you know, that two years later, then pandemic hit and we had the opportunity to do it. Well, why wouldn't we do this? And so the, the object and the vision of global diagnosis is to take the learning that people have accumulated, this kind of fluid intelligence that they've had accumulating over their, their professional career and be able to apply it and create a, plat a platform which we surprisingly found became rather intimate and because of the sharing part of it, but be able to, to uh, uh, present and, and think through and provide a mentorship essentially over a platform. Yeah. And I think that's the con that consistency and that connection that we maintain is really, really what's been so rewarding for us. And, um, and, and for the people who participate. Absolutely. So I want to talk about that in a second, but I also want to introduce Brian. You know, you brought in, you're bringing in the big guns. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, so literally, you're really big gun. Okay. So be, before, before we get Brian talking, I want you to talk about why Brian's here and what he's going to be teaching and, you know, part of the vision behind what we're doing. So Brian and I have been friends um, literally for our whole professional careers. Um, Obviously, it's grown through the years, but we met very early on in both of our careers, and our careers have paralleled each other um, in many ways. We've both practiced in San Antonio, similar types of practices, actually not even that far apart. And so we've grown professionally, but we've also grown with a wonderful friendship in all those years. And Brian, um, I know he always hates when I say this, but I mean, he's the best restorative dentist I know. His hands are bigger than my feet. And, and when you don't put your hands in somebody's mouth, you put instruments. In oh, sorry. See, I've already been corrected. And so when, when he preps a tooth, it's like he's milled a tooth. I prep a tooth, he mills a tooth. So um, I've always been in somewhat in awe of his, of his skills as a restorative dentist. And he created a lecture many years ago called Confessions of a Former Single Tooth Dentist. And he talks about his evolution. And he'll, he'll talk more about that. But the other evolution that has occurred is it's 
he he's a very cerebral guy as well as he does a really good job integrating the right and the left brains and so he's also evolved more into the behavioral emotional side of dentistry over his years of lecturing so that's really why we asked him to come and be our keynote yeah and on that note so you're going to be talking about the conf- confessions of former single tooth dentistry what is that like t- give us give us a definition oh wow a definition yeah. is just a story of a transition from where we all start, which is graduating from dental school and getting a diploma, to being involved with some incredible people that have helped me along the way, that have shown me how to take the complex and make it simpler. I happen to be one of those people that has adopted it earlier on in the game. And I have also had the privilege of speaking in the past. And um, the true story of how this came about is that I was talking for study groups and I thought my strength was the clinical component, like Bill was just saying. And, you know, I'm blessed to be very capable of that. But there were times when we would sit in the evening, I would talk with the director and the director during the evening before the study club event would say to me, you know, we bring all this incredible continuing education to town, but at the end of the day, it doesn't necessarily change behavior. And I distinctly remember being on a flight home from Eugene, Oregon. I was talking for Tim Welch's club there. And I thought, you know, those dudes are all talking about me. They're really and truly all talking about me. And then I thought to myself, as I was jammed against a fuselage of this little tiny plane, um, what is it that made me different? What is it that made me happier with what I'm doing? And it basically all went back to adopting some of these philosophies, this technique, this, this educational platform that Bill Um, put forth. And so I realized that I had a patient that I could follow from before till later. And I don't know, into my head pops this um, confessions of a former single tooth dentist. So that that's the genesis of the program. I I will tell you honestly that in a million years, I never imagined that I was going to do anything that was going to be behavioral at all. Mm -hmm. I thought the only thing that I really had a strength in in this game was, you know, I can show people how to prep teeth. I can show people how to. But the reality is when I started to introduce this to study groups, I would do like a little snippet of it and then get into the the biomechanical part that I talked about. And in reviewing my program after everybody was gone and everything was done, invariably they would say, you know, your clinical stuff is really, really good. We like that. But that that non-clinical, that confessions thing that you do, I want Mm -hmm. you to do more of that. So I got, I got an endorsement from people and, you know, I'm not, naturally just step up and do it sort of guy when it comes to public speaking. But um, when I got the endorsement that it was worthy and important, I, I took the ball and ran with it. Yeah. And you ran with it really well. It's really cool. And I'm excited. We've got people here, part of the community. Now, a couple things I want to point out. You pointed, uh, Brian, you said platform system. As I've watched you develop um, global diagnosis, it is a system. It is a, it is a, there's a path. And so if you're a young dentist and you're listening, you know how difficult this is. You have patients that come in, you're trying to diagnose treatment and you're trying to think of what to do next. You've been practicing for more than 40 years. And what you did 
You guys together have created a predictable system of how to make decisions. So it takes the onus off of the dentist of having to think about everything. That's one of the first people. I want, to, I want you to talk about the system. Global diagnosis is a very well thought out system, predictable way to provide high quality restorative dentistry. Correct? Is that? Yeah. So I've been thinking about getting ready for the symposium and sort of the two words that I think um, exemplifies what Jim and I are trying to do is, is systematic and simplicity. It's the two S's. And I think we've done a reasonably good job of making that happen. I need to drop back for a minute, though, and say the global, global diagnosis system wasn't created by me. It, it's Jeff Rouse and I. And so Jeff gets equal credit. Without him, this would have never occurred. Yeah. The genesis of the global diagnosis system was essentially many years ago when I first heard Coys and Spear start talking about facially generated diagnosis. So all of the credit goes to them. Because back in those days, we were treatment planning complex patients on an articulator mounted in surgical relation from condylar position forward. Coys and Spear came along and said, condylar position's important. However, we shouldn't be treatment planning from condylar position forward. We should be treatment planning in the face from incisal edges back. That was a radical idea 40 years ago, and it took a while to catch on. I was an early adopter. It made total sense to me. Nathology didn't make sense. This made sense to me, and I was an early adopter of facially generated diagnosis. Back in those days, the emphasis from Coys and Spear was incisal edge position, and as Jeff and I started working with facially generated diagnosis, we felt like there should be an equal emphasis on gingival levels. And so that's really the emphasis of global diagnosis system is if the gingival levels are wrong, why is that? So global diagnosis was never meant to take the place of facially generated diagnosis. It is absolutely additive to it and just adds to what Coys and Spear already created. Love it. Yeah, I think, but I think the beauty of it is that <laughs> you don't have to have a uh, treatment map that looks like the subway system in yeah. New York to implement it, right? So that, that was what you did is you, you took that and you coalesced it into something that was meaningful and something that you could sit chairside and go, okay, I need to, I need to, add, I need to look at these five things. I need to think about what that means in terms of diagnosis. And then I can put the, you know, all the underpinning to it. I can put all the details into it. And then what we did was we, in the past couple of years, we started taking it a little bit further, putting into joint-based occlusion and airway because those are foundational now as well. So we look at the global diagnosis, that's the, the interdisciplinary restorative piece, and then add the foundational piece to it as well. And now we're mixing in a little behavior too, right? Yeah. Because yeah, that exactly. doesn't make a darn bit of difference if you can't put it in play. Yeah. yeah. Now, I think you've also taken the behavior to a whole nother level. I drew this uh, circle because I think you guys have done this extraordinarily well. You, get, you guys had the vision to start this. And a lot of educational platforms start with the content. We're going to teach people treatment planning. We're going to teach them restorative dentistry. We're going to teach them aesthetics. And that's all important. And that becomes the center of the circle. And then they go, oh, we've got this community. You know, you guys can all talk. Talk to you guys. And somewhere along the way, I don't know where it happened, but you flipped the circles. Uh, you put the community in the middle. Billy said, no, no, no. Like, I don't want the onus of like teaching them dream and plan. Like, you're going to teach. You're going to teach. You're going to teach. And we got your back along the way. Can you talk about the vision and how you flip those circles a little bit? Yeah, I think that comes with sort of the maturity of our relationship with each other and also our relationship with dentistry. I mean, together we've been doing dentistry, I mean, approaching 100 years now. And so, We've been taught a lot, and both of us have had the opportunity to teach also. And we've certainly come to realize that we're not 
trying to teach students. We're trying to teach other teachers. We're trying to create not students, but other teachers. And we have both found great joy in doing that. And certainly a double handful of people that are members of our community have bubbled up to the top over the last two and a half years. And we have met some amazing men and women of dentistry that are generations younger than us that have so much more potential. So it was pretty obvious that we didn't have to carry this on our backs. There was no reason for us to carry this on our backs completely. Initially, it was that way, and it has much evolved into now bringing community in and making the community the teacher rather than just Gemini. Okay, I got to ask you, give me a couple examples. Like just, I mean, there's a lot of people in this community, and they're going to be here today and tomorrow. But like, give me some of your favorite heroes in the community. Well, you could look at almost anybody in this room, and that's, that's here today and talk about them. And I don't want to single any one of them out, really. Right. Uh, there, are some, there are some incredible people, some of who are going to be presenting at the Restorative Academy next year, you know, because of some of the, I think, maybe because of some of the influence we've had. No question. They, they felt the confidence you know, to do that, and we've tried to help them. Um, but the, the thing that we know is that, like, like Bill said, is that you know, teaching the teachers for the future, developing leaders for the future is really where it's at. Uh, and I have to clarify, when he said about 100 years of dentistry, 70 of it is his. <laughs> so, <laughs> you look good, too. <laughs> he looks great for 98. Yeah. That boy He's outlived the queen. <laughs> That's awesome. So, uh, you know, it, it really is a, 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 a very, I think that's the most rewarding part of it is we didn't really intend that to happen. What we noticed at first and what we talked about was that people go to the different institutes. And, and as Bill said, we, everything we do is, you know, borrowed from someone else and we're just building it and assimilating it and trying to coalesce the idea. <clears throat> but we noticed that people just didn't implement at a high level. And I experienced that myself. I'd banky, I'd learn really great stuff. I'd get all fired up and then I'd come back and I'd go back into my default behavior yeah. because it's so easy to do. And even though there were study clubs and things like that, it's still, you didn't see more than and, and uh, the, the statistics kind of bear this out, about 20, 25% of people that go to those institutions actually implement a significant amount of their learning. Why is that? Well, there's, that, there's not that ongoing support, the ongoing uh, commitment uh, that someone, a mentor will take to make sure that they're on a day-to-day basis. You know, they can write us an email and say, hey, I got this going on. What do you think? And somebody can answer it and say, you know, let's, let's talk about this and start a thread or start a thread in the community. I, so, I think if I may interrupt on that, I think that one of the things that they've done and amazingly well is <clears throat> provide a non-judgmental, secure platform place for people to step forward and put their stuff out there. I mean, it takes a great deal of courage for people to be willing to kind of put forth their, to show their stuff, so to speak. And if you don't feel secure in doing that, if you don't feel as though it's going to be received really, really well, then as a general rule, you don't do it, which may be the implementation part that Jim's talking about. But um, I think it's really critical to know that this group is very much dedicated to support and encouragement and nurturing and growth as opposed to judgment of what you're doing. Okay. So I love this and I want you to speak. So I'm a 32 year old dentist. I'm watching. I've been trying to do these cases. (laughs) Tell me how that works. Like, so I show up, you guys do your thing. Like, Bill, I, I got, you know, I'm nervous to talk to some of these patients. I got some of them in holding patterns. You hear all this kind of stuff. Like, <laughs> give you an idea how this works. Like, how does it specifically work? Well, I would say that young dentist, that 
32-year-old young dentist would, first of all, join the community and be a part of it for a while and get right. comfortable in it. Yeah. So there is no there is no commitment of stepping up and doing something early on. I mean, obviously, you start to feel more comfortable in the community and you see other community members participating. And then the next step is we have a mentorship program. We've got some of these people that we believe in our community are going to be the teachers or already teachers. And we've asked them to be mentors. And so we open up or assign that young dentist to one of the mentor groups. And then it is that mentor that will then start to help them through the process of learning how to put the photographs into the template that we provide to make the presentation. Yeah. So there's a process that, that encourages a person to move from the student to the teacher. Yeah, absolutely. I also want to talk about the unique differences between the two of you. You guys don't look at dentistry the same way. You're not an expert in the same field. You, you both describe like, you know, I want to talk about why you're different and why this is the perfect match for GD. Yeah, I was going to get to that at some point. So I'm so glad you asked the question because Jim and I have been friends, I don't know, probably a couple of decades. And it started off as more of a peripheral friendship at meetings. And then we had, we found we had a lot of commonalities and our friendship. I think we're grew. related actually. <laughs> <laughs> Some weird way. You know, and I would go, I, every time you guys FaceTime me, you're in a different part of the world having fun on a beach or you got this private home and you're like, you should be here. And I'm like, okay. Part of the global diagnosis package. That's why it's global. They're remotely now. And so when we, got to be really our friendship really grew and we decided we needed to do something together and that's when we had this first meeting years ago and talked about it but never got it off of the ground but once we finally did start this um global diagnosis education platform we didn't really either of us i don't think understand the synergy that we brought to it because we do have similar practices in some ways um you know it's a, a slower pace fee-for-service type practice High, vo- high quality, low volume kind of practices. But his emphasis was always more on the functional side and mine was on the aesthetic or aesthetics related to function side with no emphasis on joint at all. And so the global diagnosis system wasn't strong at all in the area of function. It was more about diagnosing gingiva and teeth and where they are on the patient's face. So he understood the global diagnosis system and he used it, but it wasn't as much of an emphasis as it was in mine. So we emphasized different things in our practices. And when we came together, the synergy was amazing. Yeah. And I think we both saw it within literally within just a few months, a couple, two or three months that this really was a marriage made in heaven because we had strengths that we brought to the partnership that the other member of the partnership didn't have. And so I think the, for me, obviously, the global diagnosis part of it was something I'd been teaching and understanding for a long time. But the joint part, I didn't have near the expertise that Jim did. So I've been a student in that area, too. And that's that's not false humility. I mean, I've been with the rest of the members in the platform learning from him about the, the functional joint paced occlusion side. So it is really our synergy is really a, a marriage made in heaven, I think, because those are the two sort of major areas in dentistry that we've brought together into one package. Yeah. And like any marriage, there's always, 
you know, another side to the, to the marriage <laughs> so the story. Yeah, so, <laughs> so tell me your side. I want to, I want to hear, how did this come together for you? Know, you? It's like living with this guy. No, <laughs> it was, no, it's been great. What I have to echo what you said. The, the coolest thing about it is that we learn from each other all the time. Yeah. There's not one time I've heard him speak, even though I've heard him do the same lecture essentially a couple of times. Uh, that I don't learn something new. I don't hear it. I, you know, I hear it differently. And I think that's really what's important to, to anyone that's in a learning process that you may think you're hearing the same thing, but you hear it differently at different stages of your development and your, your career and your growth. Yeah. So to that young dentist that's out there, it's like Bill said, you have to get involved. You have to get engaged. I can remember how many times, you know, that I, w- I was going through the process at the Pinky Institute said, well, Okay, I can make a bite split. And how do I equilibrate? Oh, I gotta wait till next year. I come back and do that 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 uh, that, that curriculum. You know? Yeah, and then I'd learn to equilibrate. How am I going to restore the anterior teeth? Oh, I got to go take the next one. You know, and the next one, and the next one, and the next one. And no, you can't keep people waiting ten years for their dentistry while you're yeah. going through this process. You got to be able to see the end result and then take action. You're always going to be able if you're you know focused on excellence. You're always going to do it a little better this time than you did last time. Certainly. Yeah, but this is this is where we're trying to bridge things, and that's why you know our partnership is just really great. I think because it it uh, we, we see things in different ways. We're behaviorally very different. Um, you know, he's smarter. I'm better looking. The whole thing, you know. It's, <laughs> guys are the perfect combo. Yeah, really. So um, the only thing I wanted to add to that was comfort has come up a couple of times in the conversation today, and I think it's really important for the people that are just entering into restorative dentistry for the people that are just getting involved in the global diagnosis education platform or, or, or study club. I think you absolutely must get outside your comfort zone. You're not going to get any better if you're going to do the same thing every single day over and over again. So one of the things that they encourage in this study club is have a willingness to do something different, have a willingness to step outside your comfort zone, have a willingness to fail yeah, and then learn from your failures. It's so incredibly important. And I think one of the yeah. things that happens yeah. here is that that failure is identified, it's supported and it's, you know, the education comes from it. So yeah. get outside your comfort zone. I, and I want to I want to piggyback on that. So go back to that. I'm going to ask yeah. each one of you guys. You guys are my heroes. I'm going to be sitting back here taking notes today. I love this CE. <laughs> Some of my earliest, most favorite experiences in CE, well, they're in the classroom, but they're also at the bar, you know, <laughs> just sharing these thoughts. Or yeah, it got to be a problem, didn't it? <laughs> it? Well, and even at the condos at the Panky Institute, like you learn a lot. And last night you guys went to the chef's table. You got a chance to hug people. And I want I want you to talk about how CE has changed. You've been doing this for 40 plus years. I have a special place in my heart 70, 70. <laughs> for CE. CE, I feel, is a little bit different or a lot different. We had COVID come into the whole thing, and I just feel there's a different type of an environment. So if I'm watching, I love CE, I'm a younger dentist or even a mature dentist, how CE changed for you learning as a dentist? And I want, I want to hear from each one of you. Like, Well, I, I think that I have been a study club director for six years of my career. And when COVID hit, if you will, when the pandemic began, it moved us all into a virtual format. It forced us into a virtual format. And there was no face-to-face communication. There was no um, ability to really get a feel for the emotion of the person that you're talking to or listening to. It became very, very 
kind of artificial and, and technology sort of. And I didn't get the same satisfaction, I guess is the right word, out of virtual format. Now, virtual format, it, it's great. It works really, really well in certain instances. But I think the change from live face-to-face hands-on stuff to virtual was a little bit disappointing for me. And then moving back into that now into a live format has been, has been great. So um, I think that it's changed from just standing and talking and showing slides and and that to a more interactive sort of continuing education. Love it. Bill, what's your thought? Well, I would echo what Brian said. I think all of us were, um, significantly concerned about moving away from face-to-face to the Zoom platform. But I think um, the problem with the Zoom platform is it's primarily one way. Most of the time when you're listening to a lecture, you're sitting in front of a computer and none of us can sit more than about 50 minutes. I mean, that just after an hour and certainly no more than an hour and a half, you were just fried looking at the computer. The difference between that traditional Zoom lecture and what we do with GDE is that there's a lot of interaction going on back and forth. We can see each other's faces and where people are, are sort of breaking in and asking questions and talking. And so it turns it into rather than a one-way street, a two-way street. Yeah. And the other thing that um, Jim brought in terms of a mantra to the Global Diagnosis Education Platform, don't let perfection get in the way of getting started. Yeah. Which sort of dovetails with what he said about you can't wait year after year after year to try to start to implement some of these things. I mean, you have to jump in, get your feet wet and implement. And so over and over again, I've heard him say 50 times, do not let perfection having to get it perfect the first time, get in the way of getting started on it. And I think that's the other great thing that global diagnosis does. It encourages people to go ahead. We're here. We've got your back. Go ahead. Let's get started. You know, try this procedure, try this technique, or try this emotional um, support issue that we just talked about. Get in and try it. Yeah. I think that uh, what Brian brought up earlier is a a really critical piece, and it it, uh, talks a lot about how the continuing education platform has evolved and how we're trying to incorporate ideas that and go go to places that a lot of people aren't willing to go in terms to talk about failure and how it's important um how some of the habits that we have get in the way of our progress that are our own habits and you know it's really constrictive being in a practice by yourself sometimes or with one other dentist and you know you you can tell yourself some stories that could really get yourself in trouble right and we talk about that and and the sa- safety is the key word for us uh, and we realized after a few months of implementation that we may be requiring people to try to do too much, and they felt intimidated by bringing things to the platform. I even had conversations last night where people say, "Well, I'd like to show this, but you know, I don't have, I don't think I'm ready." And I said, "You're ready. Whatever it is, you're ready." Yeah. You know, uh, we we talk about failure a lot. Bill's got a lecture on failures. I, you know. I'd say, you know, you got skills. I don't have enough of them to I, I, I don't. It's, for, for, for me, Mine would only be that. So for, for me, it's an entire continuum for a week. You know, have you got skeletons in your closet? I'm renting warehouse space, baby. You know, it's, it's just like, it's that kind of thing. You got emotional baggage. I got a Sherpa, you know, yeah. come on. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's, it's one of those things that we try to, you know, say, you know, we're human, we make mistakes, you know, at, but the, the concept is, is if you understand, you know, the, global peace and you understand where you're going with something, you're not going to make a critical mistake that's going to 
you know, uh, damage someone or injure someone. Yeah. You, know, you can't hurt somebody with a bite splint. Come on, you know, and, and yeah. so make one and try it and see, you know, but just follow and be conscious, you know, conscientious about doing it and, and follow through and see what you learn. Because the only way you can learn is to do it. I love it. And so that's, that's how it has to happen, right? I love it. Now I could, we could easily, I got like 90 more questions. We could turn this into a three hour thing, but we got people <laughs> that are, they're showing up here in just a few minutes. And I want to, I want to finish with a couple of last thoughts. You brought this up yesterday and yes. I love this. You gave yes. me a quote and I'm going to use it forever. And I'm going to just beat it up here. But you said, actually, I'm going to have you describe it because I wrote it down on a card the second you said it. Okay. So this came from one of my mentors from many, many years ago. He's my basketball coach in high school. And he said, none of us are born winners. None of us are born losers. We're all born choosers. And the whole point in that and what Jim and Bill are doing and what we're talking about today is we have a choice to make. We all start in the same place. We all started walking across the stage and getting our diploma. But it's the choices that we make after that that make who we are. And they, right. it, it seems like there's a tendency for people to be listening to a podcast like this and think, well, I could never. And the reality is we were there. And it's because of choices and actions that we took that we are here. And you, whoever's listening, can absolutely do the same thing. So um, I thought it was pretty powerful. I love it. We're not, we're not born winners. We're not born losers. We're born choosers. Yeah. And I think that's the cool part. Everybody's life is like a book. There's chapters. Yeah. And it might not have been so great up to this point, but the cool thing is you could choose and write another chapter. And so right now. Give us some final thoughts here as we, we get started today. All right. So that just made me think about one of my important mentors also, who is Jim Summit, Dr. Jim Summit, who's influenced many people in dentistry over the last 40 years. And one of the things he taught me early on is that success is a poor teacher. Mm. And so I went back preparing for this symposium. I went back and looked at some of the early um, presentations that Jim and I did on the platform. And the very first presentation that I gave two and a half years ago on June the 5th, 2020, was a failures lecture. And continuing that theme today, my lecture, my short lecture today for this group is going to be five patients that I didn't successfully treat. For different reasons, those five patients were not completed in my practice, and some of them um, were very bittersweet endings. And so that's what I'll be talking about today. And that's what we encourage everybody in the platform to do. You know, um, enjoy and relish the successes, but you're really going to learn from the from the play, the situations where it didn't turn out exactly right. Love it, love it, yeah. Jim. Give us your final words here today. Well, to me, it's um, a, a lot about recognizing your failures and realizing that those things are the most important pieces to learn from. Uh, we all have successes that we can celebrate, but we have to. Th- Really think about the difference between excellence and perfection. Yeah. And excellence is improving, getting just a little bit better every day. And perfection is unachievable. And so the only thing that's perfect is maybe your presence with other, with another human being. Mm -hmm. And if you can stay in the moment with another person and stay in that moment to be attentive and, and to listen and to, and to thoughtfully consider, uh, interaction 
That may be as close to perfection as we get. Amen, um, amen Pastor Rodden. Amen. 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 Wait, I, I pass the plate now. Pass the plate. So, uh, <laughs> and uh, I'll, I'll bring us home with one last thought. And it's I, I, I have a million quotes from a lot of you. I actually, uh, I, I write a ton and I save it all. And I put it in a, Google, a, a little Google Doc. And I've got like 50 of them from you. And I've said this to you like a million times. And you, know, you already know what I'm going to say. But like one of my favorite things you've ever said to me. And it was at Seattle club symposium we had quite a few bourbons it was really late at night you put, me in, a, you put me in a headlock we were both sweaty i don't know and you said kirk this is going way too far it's going way too far and he said kirk you know what our responsibility is i go i don't know let me go first yeah i go let me go I, bill i can't breathe he goes he goes kirk we gotta leave the campfire in better condition than we found it and i was like oh man you had me at hello and i really love it that's what today's about out. Like today, there's going to be people here. We're going to, we love this. This profession is incredibly noble. I love the profession of dentistry. It is an awesome, awesome profession. And what we're going to do today is leave it in better condition than we found it. And it's such a great mantra. It's such a great purpose. It's such a great why that just uh, transcends all that you would learn. And my son who's 14, I'm like, buddy, we got to leave the campfire in better condition. And he's like, dad, I don't, we don't camp. And I'm like, that's not the point. We're a beach family. We don't camp. Right. Like, Stop putting me in a headlock, dad. <laughs> Absolutely. Ridiculous. Yeah. So it's all good. But gosh, I'm so excited to have you guys here. So thank you guys for being here. Thanks, Appreciate buddy. it. Appreciate My pleasure. It. Thanks so much. Guys. Awesome. 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 Thank thank a pleasure. Hey, Amen, brother. All the people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for listening to the best practices show podcast. Hey, if you enjoyed today, just do us a favor, hit the share button. Uh, make sure you check out Global Diagnosis Education. We're going to put links in uh, the show notes and uh, just come here, check it out. And uh, we're going to have a great day. We are indeed. Awesome. Thanks. You guys have a great day. Thank you so much. So there you have it. Another great episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hey, and thank you for showing up. I just want to thank you for being here and sharing the good word with your friends. And if you're really enjoying the podcast, could you do me a favor? Could you go to wherever you consume the podcast and just give us a four or five star review? Here's what that does. It allows us to find other great people like you. I love this profession so much. I'm gonna spend the rest of my professional life finding great information so that you can consume it and your friends can consume it so that you can create a better practice and a better life. So keep spreading the word and we will see you guys soon. Have a great day, everybody.